Welcome to Leadership is in Session, powered by Athena Communications. This special series features some of Milwaukee's most distinguished leaders. They'll share how they overcame challenges, developed their skills, and achieved success, so you can gain insight and inspiration. And now, Leadership is in Session. Welcome, everybody. I am Becky Dubin Jenkins, and today I have the distinct pleasure of having in studio with me today none other than Miss Lazani Belton, our friend, our colleague, an esteemed member of the Athena Speakers Bureau. So, welcome, Miss B. Thank you. Thank you for that great introduction. How are you doing today? I'm well. I'm well, I'm doing well, busy as usual, but I'm breathing. Well, that's good. Yeah, yeah, it's good to breathe, but it's better to breathe slowly. So I should say I'm breathing a little bit more slowly compared to the rest of the day. Well, we hope that you enjoy this time. Please consider it a relaxing time, a time to share with us your wisdom, your knowledge, your experience, and we invite our listeners to drink it all in as we today listen uh, to Miss B share with us her thoughts on purpose-driven leadership. So let's start there. What does that mean to you? Purpose-driven leadership. Am I correct? You are correct. Okay. Well, let me give you an example, maybe a few examples, instead of a definition. Yesterday, I believe it was, maybe a couple of days ago, somebody put something on Facebook. And the person that made the comment is a respected person in the community. I think the person is very, very smart, very involved, very caring, and very in touch with the community. And To be a person that has those qualities, sometimes some of us don't think that they have problems personally. So she posted this particular um, comment, and it said something like, you might not have everybody, everybody might not like you, everybody might not see it your way, everybody might not be in agreement with you, everybody might not, all this stuff that everybody might not be or do for you. And so I looked at that, and I looked at the person, and I said, and I actually commented back on her Facebook post, and I said, listen, I know how that feels. I think most of us know what that feels like when you feel like you're all by yourself, that you're isolated, nobody even understands why you're here and what you're doing, and it feels conflicting all the time. It feels like there's resistance all the time. It feels like you're getting a lot of pushback, especially from those that you think would always have your back. And it doesn't necessarily mean that they don't have your back. It's just that's the way you're feeling. And that feeling is real. And I said that to the person and I said, but it doesn't last forever. It just came to pass. It did not come to last. But what it can do When you feel that way, it allows you to do some self-examination. And if criticism or bad reviews or negativity won't take you there, I don't know what will. 
even if it's not true, even if you're angry about it, even if you, why would people want to say that about me? You know, I, I'm, I'm a giver. I love people. I would never make people feel the way that they're making me feel. All of those things that are kind of negative and rub us the wrong way, those are the things that make us sit down and say, is it anything to this? Could it be that these things are going on in my life and I'm not aware? And it doesn't mean that those things that are going on in your life and people are accusing you or turning their backs on you or making you feel that uh, you can't depend on them. It doesn't mean that that's necessarily true. But what it will do, it will cause you to take some inventory of yourself. And you might come up at the end of that process saying, I'm good. I'm really not any of those things that these people are saying. But you're going to find something about you that maybe you can improve on. Maybe you can get rid of. Maybe you need to be have more of it. Maybe you need to have less of it. But those negative things will cause us to look at things in a different way or look at things that we never really paid attention to and would never look at under any other circumstances. Does that make sense? It does make sense. And it sounds to me like you're talking about accepting feedback for feedback's sake and receiving it the way it's given with best intentions. Yeah, yeah, yeah. How mm-hmm. do you do that if yeah. you just are frustrated or upset mm-hmm, and think, mm-hmm. oh, I don't think that's me? Correct. Absolutely. How do you do that? You just do it. I didn't say it was easy. I didn't say it was comfortable. I didn't say you want to do it. But how many things do we have to do be just because we have to do them? A Regardless, lot. right? Regardless of if that's something that we want to do or we plan to do it, most things that are going to really be beneficial are things that's going to cause us to work for it. So you have to just do what is right to do. And especially if you want to continue to grow, if you want to continue to learn, if you want to continue on the path, if you're on a good path, if you want to continue on that good path, some of these things we have to do that are uncomfortable sometimes. But just, you know, just do it. You don't feel like waking up every morning, but you get up. Sometimes we don't even feel like getting in the shower, but we know we better, right? Sometimes we, you know, like me, I'm I'm not a morning person. I don't like to get up early. I don't like breakfast. But if I know that I have to get up early because there's something in me getting up early for, and I need to put some food on my stomach, and I don't like to do that, early in the morning. But if I know I'm going to go a long ways, a long time without eating, and I need to be strong enough to do what I have, I have to eat, right? Mm -hmm. So there's things, yes, that we prefer not doing. But are they necessary? That's the question that we have to ask ourselves. Is it necessary? Is it going to be beneficial to me? Is it something that is going to pay off in the end? And if the answer is yes, most of the time it is, then we just get up and do it. Just It's just like fear. Just because you're afraid doesn't mean that you, you know, lock yourself up in a room and you don't do anything because you fear. You do it even when you're scared. You do it even when you fear. You do it if you're unsure. You do it if you don't know how it's going to turn out. You got to do it. You just do it anyway. And most of the time when we are doing things, as we're talking about, under those, those guidelines or those conditions... We usually come out stronger 
because we're going in stronger because we know we have to. It's not an easy move. It's a it's kind of difficult move. So we got to go in with everything that we have because we don't want to do it and we're afraid and we don't know what's on the other side. But how many times have we been in those positions? Most of our lives, right? And look where we are now. We got through them. We learned from them, hopefully. Hopefully. Yeah, yeah. So that's what it's all about. And unfortunately for some people, we don't like to really accept the fact that we only grow through struggles. We only grow through making mistakes. We only get better when we look at what we didn't do, not so much what we did do. There's a time that we should, you know, pat ourselves on the back. Don't get me wrong. Because I have to pat myself on the back Mm -hmm. all the time. That keeps me going. Because maybe nobody else is around to pat me on the back. And maybe they don't see what I thought was an accomplishment. Mm -hmm. So I have to pat myself on the back. So you have to, you know, you have to have that balance. But I found that we grow mostly in a little bit of struggle, a little bit of resistance, a little bit of not so much smooth sailing. And then we have a time after we go through that, that we can kind of sail through life just a little bit because everything is seasonal, right? Every season mm-hmm. does not last forever. So even those difficult, tight times, they're not going to stay around all the time. They can't because they have to produce something. And so once we see that fruit of what that situation caused, that's the time when we can relish in our fruit that we produced. And get fed off of it and get nourishment from it and get encouragement from it. Now we're all set up for the next go round of the icky stuff. Of the icky stuff. And you have had a distinguished career. You have done many different things. Uh, You have your ministry. You are an entrepreneur. During your journey, personal and professional, what is the scariest thing you have ever done that you feel incredibly proud of? Oh, wow. It's it's a whole bunch of them. <laughs> so I'll stay in the professional arena. So I'm a cosmetologist. I have a cosmetology school. I've been in the industry ever since I was about 19 years old, professionally. And so after going to beauty school, my instructors kind of discovered some things about me that I really didn't know I had. And they created a job, if you will, for me to be a junior instructor that was never even thought of. But they saw something that I didn't see in myself as far as teaching. And so I told them, I said, "Uh uh-uh, when I get out of school, I can't wait to get out of here and take my Mm -hmm. state board and get my license because the next time you see me, I'm going to be in my white drop top convertible car with my (laughs) hair blowing in the air and my fur coat blowing as well. And you're going to say, oh, I remember her. She used to go to our beauty school. I said, I'm out of here. I'm not going to do that. And so and I didn't. And my first position as a licensed cosmetologist was in a department store uh, salon, which was a chain. And it was one of the the most well-known, upscale, stylish, current, trendy uh, salon that you could work in. So 
I got my first job there. I didn't have to do anybody's here to show what I could do. That, that was not even part of the process because I said, you need me here and I can bring some things that you don't have. And you got some things that I need. They signed me up right away. So making a long story short, I went through that time, that career in cosmetology, loved every minute of it. And after managing salons, teaching other cosmetologists and students and all of that, it was just natural for me to start to instruct. So I got my instructor's license. After getting those licenses, I said, I'm going to open up my school in two years. So I was, I was real excited about it. Very hopeful, very faithful. I knew it was going to happen. There was no doubt in my mind. I was, I, I could see how my school was going to look. I could see the students learning. I could see all of this and it was going to happen. I knew it. And when I began the process of starting a school, Oh my God. It was like, I didn't anticipate this. I didn't know I had to do all of that. I didn't know. I thought I could open up my school based on my experience and my licensing. Long as I had the building and everything was in place, no problem. And I found that I had to, uh, and I thought my students would just be able to go and get financial aid from the government like all the other schools do. So I thought, didn't know I had to be accredited first. Okay. So the Department of Education said, you need to stand on, you need to be able to stand on your own for two years before we'll even touch you. And after that, then you have to get accredited. And after your accreditation, you need to be accredited with them for two years. And then you come see us. So I was like, oh my God, I don't know if I can do this because I was pretty much by myself. My husband had his business. I believe we had the church at the time. So everybody was busy doing their thing. And I was like, I don't know if I could do this by myself, but I want it so bad. I'm going to try. And so I tried to do a lot of the things on my own. And I just didn't know those things. I just didn't know. So it took a lot for me to ask for help, especially at that time, because I felt like I could do it myself. Because I'm passionate, I know what I'm doing, I have the experience, I want to do this, I can't wait to help somebody else, I can't wait to help these young people that uh, don't know anything about customer service, and they, all they want to do is pick up a uh, container and read the directions, and they think that they can do it as a professional. No, they can't. They need me to teach them, and I'm going to teach them, and they're coming to my school, and it's all going to be all good. And it was not. So I had to humble myself and reach out for help. And the first person that I reached out to was my daughter, Tammy. Mm, we know her. I know you do. Everybody knows Tammy. But anyway, and now this was, I actually opened my school in 2002. Okay. So Tammy was much younger then, but she still, what, what was embedded in her. And so I pulled on that. And Tammy was able to organize all of the people that volunteered to help me and put everybody where they fit best, whether it was administratively, if it was dealing with the state board, if it was dealing with my, it was a self-service, self, not self-service, but anyway, we had to comprise all of this stuff 
about the school, what it did, what it didn't do, all the laws, all the requirements, all the everything. And the book was, you know, about Hmm. that thick. But Tammy was able to get the volunteers, knowing their background, their experience, and what they could do best, and she broke us up into four or five different segments to work on all the stuff that had to be worked on. And those people came through. But it was scary. It was absolutely scary because I had no idea that it took all of this to do what I wanted to do. All I could see was, I want to do it, and I can do it, and I'm needed. And the community needs um, a school like mine because not only did I want to show these uh, young people how to do hair, skin, and nails, but I wanted to give them some life skills as well. I wanted to give them some um, some love from God as well. I wanted to do all of that within my school. And because I felt like it was such a good, great thing, it's going to be simple. The pieces are going to fall together. No, they do not fall together. You have to work and you have to put them together. And you have to have people around you that believe in your vision. And I made my vision very, very plain. It was not sketchy. It was not cloudy. It was very, very clear that anybody could read it and see it. And if they felt it, they could help me do it. So that was that was okay, but I couldn't do it all. So I would say to people that are listening, you can't do it all. Get somebody to help you. You need a team. That's one of the um, acronyms that we use, T-E-A-M, together, everyone achieves more. A lot of people use that, absolutely. But it's true. It's true. You can get more done. You can make your dreams come true when you have that team. And some people obviously need more team members than others, but you can't do it by yourself. The concept can come from you. You know, the dream of it can come directly from, you know, your imagination. But to put it all together, you need somebody. And that could be a little scary for people that are so independent. Stop being so independent. We are linked together. We're human beings and we're supposed to connect. And we're supposed to connect so we can make things happen together. So what happens when you put all those pieces together? You have a great plan. You have the right people. Mm -hmm. You know your vision. When you fail, how do you pick yourself back up? Oh, my goodness. Back then, we did a lot of failing. Yes, we did. We messed up stuff because it was new. And before you can get up, and you don't get up that fast, let me <laughs> let you know. If, if, if it's a real failure, a big mistake, you don't really even recover from that as fast as, you, as fast as you would like to. So what I found myself doing is when I got knocked down by failure, I just stayed there for a little while. Mm. I kind of soaked it all in. I kind of, you know, looked to see what caused us to fail. I looked to see if it was in leadership. I looked to see if it was in the individual. And I also began to see that it could just be the process was so hard and that anybody would probably have some failures if they had to go through what I had to go through. But failure is good. Oh, say it again for the people. Failure is good. Now, it might take a bit for you to wrap your mind around that, your brain, even your emotions, especially Mm -hmm. around failure is good. Well, I'm speaking from experience. I'm not speaking from a definition in a dictionary or nobody else's story. 
I have found that failure is good because it stops you in your tracks. It prevents you from going any further than you really need to go at that particular time because without dealing with certain things and mostly about yourself, you're going to take all of that baggage, all of that extra, all of that negativity, all of that hurt or whatever you experience because of failure, you're going to take that to your next level. You don't want that. You don't need that. So when you fail, just look at it as something that's saying, hey, we got to stop. We got to see what's going on. Let's do some examination. Let's do some inventory. Let's kind of rake through some things with with a fine tooth comb and see what we what we'll find. And a lot of times you're going to find some things that you say, I'm so glad if I never failed, I wouldn't have ever seen this situation or seen this blockage that was there. And and a lot of times it's not all the time that it's the process. It's the people that are involved in the process. And if you're the leader, you got to look at you first. Mm -hmm. And just because you're a leader does not mean you have all the answers. Just because you're the leader doesn't mean that you have to step back and let allow someone else to come and t- assume that position at times. You have to drop the imposter syndrome, pretending that you know something when you really don't know something because you think that's going to make you look weak or inferior or not up to par or whatever. We just talked about a great leader that we both know and how that leader is able to see everybody's gift, everybody's talent, everybody's skill, and even everybody's, I won't say weakness, but things that that they're not just that great at. And if a person is able to do that, I believe that they looked at themselves first and say, said to themselves, like I have, what qualifies me to position someone else? What qualifies me to not put certain people in certain positions? What enables me to be able to do that? And when you really come down to it, you look at yourself and you see and you're honest with what you see as strong leadership, what you see as really weaknesses or things that you really just don't need in your life. And again, it's not changing who you are. It's not changing your personality. If you're an extroverted person or introverted person, or if you are a giver, or if you are an enabler, or if you have tenacity, if you, you know, whatever you are is who you are. But at some point, that needs to be kind of looked into because there's a lot of layers to who we are. And sometimes there's some funny stuff hiding between these layers. And we have to go inside in between some of these layers and scrape some of that stuff out that does not need to be there because that's what's causing the problems. It's not really your personality. It's not really your temperament. It's not really who you are. And and I'll just plug this in real quick. Learn to love who you are. How do you do that? You accept who you are. I have one of my daughters and even her daughter are very, very, very strong givers They will give you whatever they have. They will give it to you, and they mean it with all their heart and soul. And they've been hurt because of that, obviously, you know. And so they say, I'm I'm just not going to be that way anymore. I said, it's impossible. It's impossible to change who you were born born to be. It's impossible to change your purpose. Your purpose is God-given. I'm sorry. When you were created, you were created with a purpose. 
And so if part of your purpose is being that of a giver, you can't change that. But what I do tell them is you just have to be careful who you give it to. It's a great gift. You don't give this great gift to people that can't appreciate it and that can't honor it. Now, when so that doesn't stop you from being who you are as a giver, but you're just selective as to who can appreciate that gift. So as we go along in life and go through all these processes and of, of trying to become a leader or, or start a business or be, you know, run our homes or whatever it is that causes us to be out front. Sometimes we have to stop, especially when failure comes, and think about that as a good thing. What it's allowing me to do is look between the layers of who I really am and what my purpose really is and what I was made to do, what I enjoy. And it's okay to enjoy your life. It's okay to enjoy your business, your children, your family, or whatever your purpose is. You should be enjoying it. So sometimes people think, too, on the far other side that, If it's too good, then I must not be doing something right. It should be harder than this. Well, I wish I could say that. Congratulations to people who have lives like that. Mm -hmm. But at some point, you know, you're going to see the reality that there's a balance between the ups and the downs and the successes, the mistakes, the failures, and how you bounce back. And sometimes it's not a bounce. Sometimes you're pulling up on table Uh, legs to get back up it's a (laughs) crash but you get up and it's all about to me mindset when you understand life when you understand yourself as we go through life and we have to go through life with ourselves that's somebody we can't get rid of and say you stay home because I'll need you today no they have to come along with us self has to be there and as you learn that you learn that there's a balance you're not alone this is the human experience that you're going to experience if you want to grow, if you want to be successful, if you want to fulfill your promises and your gifts that you have, your goals, it takes that. And it's okay because it takes that for everybody. Nobody likes to be alone. Nobody thinks that what they're going through, nobody else could possibly understand or have ever gone through anything like this before in their life. It might not be the exact same thing, but it's in a category. And we all have to go through those things that are in these categories, we all do. So you're not alone. Not alone. In closing, I would like to lift two things. You have referenced your faith and you have referenced people's gifts. What is your gift? What is your (laughs) gift to the world? (laughs) You are so good, Becky, because you just keyed in on that real good. That's why you're so great. Um, (laughs) Thanks, Miss B. Well, I think I already knew, I knew all along, I should say, but I wasn't comfortable sharing it. I wasn't because it it sounded kind of like you're bragging or something or, you know, it's hard to talk about yourself in a good way. It's hard to talk about yourself. And, but at the same time, you're wasting a whole lot of time not saying what needs to be said and not walking into your, your authentic self. So at this age and at this time, I'm walking in it. I know who I am. I'm comfortable with who I am. I know that I am a benefit to the world. I do know that. And some of the ways I will speak up when it's time to speak up. I don't care who you are. And you better not let me be around if I see someone being mistreated. I'm going to say something. The community is saying, when you see something, say something. Well, you should have never told me that because I'm going to say something if I see something. 
So I believe that I am a gift to people as a whole. I'm Mm -hmm. able to connect. And it doesn't matter what walk of life, what status you are, you know, it just doesn't matter. I can connect with people. And I have no problem with that because I love people. I really, really, really do. And I love to see people at their best. I love to stir up the gifts that are in other people. And just by talking with them, it doesn't take me long to know what really their purpose is and some of the gifts that they have inside. And sometimes it comes out through tears. Sometimes it comes out through them being amazed at how did I know certain things about them that I couldn't possibly know unless there was a gift that I had to know these things. And I'm not afraid to use the gifts that I have because they're not for me. And they're not, and I've been using them for a while now. And it doesn't make me famous. It's just fulfilling. And because I know that I am living out my purpose and it's with people and it's through people. And to see them being set free of certain bondages that they might be in, I'm fulfilled. If it's speaking about to them about a career or a job or where they are in life as far as their what they're thinking, and I'm able to speak some words that releases them to really walk into their full purpose. That's fulfillment right there. So if the whole world doesn't know who I am, it's okay. But if I ever come in contact with you, I'm going to help you to know who you are. And then that just makes my day. So if I'm just right in this room and the people that are in this room or that hear my voice, if that helps them, I don't have to go all over the world and be famous to do that. But I believe that the world is going to be a little bit more open to me so that I can get out there and do my thing and let my gifts operate more in a larger venue. And I'm waiting on that too, but it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter who the person is. It doesn't matter if I'm talking to a group of people. It doesn't matter if it's one-on-one. It doesn't matter if we're walking down the street or we're in a store and a conversation starts out of nowhere. I always want to end up leaving people better than when I first start talking to them. And I would say nine and a half times out of 10, it always happens. (laughs) Well, I have seen that from you. I have seen you do that with other people. So I want to thank you for bringing that gift, for elevating that in other people and spending time with us today. The one and only Miss Lazani Belton. Thank you. Thank you. AKA Miss B. AKA Miss B, our friend. Thanks for listening to Leadership is in Session, powered by Athena Communications. Be sure to catch all eight enlightening episodes. And don't forget to connect to On the Edge of Equity with Tammy Belton Davis, available wherever you get your podcasts.